0: glass city game time podcast my name is Corey Crisson. this is episode number 43 and thank you for listening as always we appreciate you checking us out whether you do so on toledoblade.com on blade news slide or on one of the various podcasting streaming outlets that we're available on each week it is high school football season and we are breaking down every conference, all of the favorites, all of the top players in the Northwest Ohio area. It's like Christmas morning. We are back to sports. And joining me this week are Steve Junga and Mark Monroe, who have done this for a very long time. And I say that in good jest. These two guys know high school football like the backs of their own hands. And Steve and Mark join me to break down conferences, players, coaches trends, who's the favorites, who are the sleepers. We're excited to get going. First, you'll hear from Steve Junga with a conference-by-conference breakdown of what we can expect in this shortened 2020 season. Of course, the regular season, only six games, playoffs beginning in week seven. And then Mark Monroe joins me to put a bow on a couple other conferences. And of course, we talk about eight-man football and the start of the Northern Eight Football Conference So stay tuned to the two interviews. I'm very excited to get going. Let's get right into it, and I'll talk to you right at the end of the podcast. All right, we're joined by Blade sports writer Steve Junga. Steve, I know you're a very busy man this week, prepping for New Year's Day, if you will, on Friday. How's everything going?
1: Well, it's been uh it's been compressed this year because uh didn't do much uh work ahead of time, not knowing whether there'd be a season or not. And then once we found out that there was going to be a season we had about nine days to get done what we normally do uh for the preseason preview. So it's been uh, compacted but we're getting it done.
0: Yeah, no magazine this year unfortunately, but you know, every day here for the past week or so, we've been rolling out one conference per day, essentially, up until the uh, start of the season on Friday. So I know you've been very hard at work at that. Our colleague, Mark Monroe, also, who we'll talk to here. And uh, Steve, today we're going to talk about, I've counted four conferences, and we'll talk about a little bit in the Toledo Area Athletic Conference. But with you, I want to start with the track, the Three Rivers Athletic Conference over the previous however long it's been it's been Central Catholic as the gold standard in the uh, in the high school football world in Northwest Ohio of course under Greg Dempsey Central Catholic last year another fantastic season 13 and one overall seven and0 in the track Dempsey entering his 21st season let's talk about this track because um, Central Catholic looking for that 3p but not far behind them, of course, Whitmer, and you look at schools like St. John's and then certainly St. Francis.
1: Yeah, I mean, Central, um, if you're not convinced over the last eight years
0: that they're the team to beat
1: every year, then you haven't been paying attention. Uh, I know that they're, in some of the seasons they've had a lot of turnover, you know, in terms of uh, graduated players being replaced and so forth, but. They just seem to reload as opposed to ever having to rebuild, and this is one of those years I think they only returned uh, uh, four starters on each side of the ball, yet they went four games into the playoffs, and a lot of those guys, they, they pretty much are one-way, you know, football, and a lot of different guys get to see time on, on the field over the course of the season, and it's not like they're new to the game when they get to their, like, say, their junior or senior year starter. They've been at it for a while already, and this is one of those cases. And they do have a, a, a ton of talented players. I think this year um, what may happen, and I'll believe it when I you know, see it, is whether or not Dempsey finally uh, – um, he will never abandon the running game, but uh, throw the ball a little bit more than people are used to. They've got a returning quarterback in Bishop Vargas who threw for uh, – um, Probably eh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 yards last year. 20 touchdowns, ballpark, um, and got some really good receivers to throw to. Tayshon Johnson, who's a, a Bowling Green commit. Jason Rushing, who uh, another good player, and a transfer from uh, River Rouge up in Michigan, uh, Division Three state champion up there. Leroy Watson, who's primarily a defensive back. He's going to Army but he'll be a receiver as well. So uh, they will have the ability to spread the field, open things up, and that should help the running game. And they happen to have a running back in uh, a guy by the name of Prentice Reasonover, a really good back who didn't get a lot of carries last year because uh, Central had their all Ohio and uh, John Zellers rushing for close to 2,000 yards. So the offense is pretty set there, and, uh, you know, the big question is, They they will play St. John's in Week 2. St. John's a much more polished veteran offense with quarterback Brady Lichtenberg. His uh, fourth year as a starter. As you know, he's going to the University of Cincinnati. He's just under 7,500 career passing yards, and he's got two top-notch receivers in Thomas Zeros and uh, Jaden McKinstry, two big guys, 6'3 and 6'5". Um, Zyra's going to uh, UT and I think if McKinstry gets some film out there he'll be winding up somewhere in Division 1 as well so it'll be interesting to see if St. John's who I presume is ahead of the game offensively this early in the year can maybe sneak one in at Central in Week 2
0: How about those schedules? That's a whole other dynamic too that we could spend a good amount of time on but just to kind of boil that down a little bit the 6-game regular season schedule You mentioned that Week 2 matchup versus St. John's, and right away, Central St. John's, one of the marquee matchups of the year, and it's happening very quickly here within the next couple of weeks.
1: Right, and they did play early last year, but each of them had three non-league games to set that up before they had to play. This year, you know, you got one game and then maybe the game of the year. Now, Whitmer was picked number two by the coaches in the poll, But uh, I I second-guessed that a little bit just because of how much Whitmer has lost from last year. Um, You're talking about a four-year quarterback in Riley Keller, who's now at Bowling Green. Um, He was first-team All-Ohio as a sophomore, second-team his junior year, had some injuries. uh, was third-team last year. You got uh, two other first-team All-Ohioans who graduated, and uh, the running back, Jared Banks, who uh, was just under 2,000 yards last year on the ground, and a defensive lineman, Romel Greer. And then another line, uh, linebacker who was a junior last year, also first-team All-Ohio, Cameron Vargas. He, uh, he moved, relocated to southwest Ohio, and has obviously has transferred. That's a lot of top-notch personnel to lose and then be expected to come back and compete for a title. I, I know they're going to be up there. I know they're going to get good throughout those six weeks, but i boil it down to Central and St. John's in week two. And about, you know, talking about the six-game schedule, it's compressed, it's right in the league play, you got to be ready from the very get-go, and unlike previous seasons, these teams have also been shorted on scrimmage. So, uh, <laughs> most of them were able to get one in last weekend, um, but the whole normal procedure leading up to the season has changed from all previous years. You don't have as much work, and you really don't know what you have so you start playing in that first game.
0: One last quick point on the track. Talking about Whitmer, you mentioned Riley Keller. He leaves. In comes Kevin Hornbeek, who as a backup last year had 640 all-purpose yards, 328 passing, 311 rushing, so technically 339. But in talking to Kevin Winters, the head coach, what are his expectations for Hornbeak this season?
1: Yeah, Ken Ken likes Hornbeak a lot. He's a big, sturdy guy, 240 pounds. Um, He can throw it and he he can run. He can rumble. He can knock people over while he's running. Um, Got a really strong arm. They're not, I mean, he's not a Riley Keller, but he's also a pretty darn good high school quarterback potentially. So I don't see a huge problem there. And I think Ken Winters is counting on him to kind of lead the offense. And there's a lot of other, you know, question marks elsewhere. Last year, um, Jared Banks was just a hammer out of the backfield. I mean, this guy was one of the hardest running back to tackle that I've seen in 30-plus years doing this stuff. And uh, he became the bread and butter last year. That is the number one loss. I mean, I don't know how you – replaced that. He was a one-year guy at Whitmer. had transferred him from Monroe, Michigan, and that is the other thing. It's a quarterback who had opportunities opened up by a running back because you had to commit so much of defense to the uh, um, in the trenches there, and that opens up things in the passing game. That helped because Riley Keller was battling injuries from late in his junior year to pretty much all of last year. And, uh, you know, Hornby won't have that this year um, as far as anybody that I know that's going to emerge as a running back anywhere near what Jared Banks was. And the fourth team in the run, uh, you got to look at St. Francis a little bit. They have the potential to upset some teams uh, that we've already mentioned. David Kaiser, the quarterback, threw for over 1,500 yards last year, 16 touchdowns. He's the younger brother of Deshaun Kaiser who, You know, we started Central and played at Notre Dame and played in the NFL with the Browns and the Packers. This is the younger brother, nowhere near as talented, but in his own right, a good high school quarterback. And they have a solid running back in Stephen McCoy, who was first team all-track last year. So they have the ability on a given night to upset one, you know, maybe not a Central, but potentially one of the other teams.
0: All right, Steve, let's move into the Northern Lakes League now. Anthony Wayne last year, a second-round playoff exit, undefeated in the league at 7-0. and They finished the season at 11-1. and But this year, 2020, Perrysburg creeping up slightly right in their rearview mirror. It feels like this is going to be a close finish. It could be a 1-2 with Anthony Wayne and Perrysburg right behind them.
1: Yeah, um, I agree with the one-two part. I don't
0: know what order
1: it's going to be. And if you look at the numbers, uh, Anthony Wayne has not lost in 21 straight NLL games. Um, three of those in the last three years are against Perrysburg and they've outscored them like 130 to 7 in those meetings. Um, however, the Generals have lost starters at 19 of 22 positions from last year, including Mason Alberts, the All-Ohio quarterback, who was our Blade Player of the Year last year. Who, ironically enough, stepped in at quarterback um, after the guy who was going to be the starter and actually was started the season, Garrett Pike last year was a junior. Um, Mason Alberts was the backup, and he ended up, you know, just tearing it up last year and had a sensational year. And the ironic part, I guess, is that Garrett Pike is back this year and will replace Mason Alberts. <laughs> so um, he. If if he was thought to be good enough to start last year over a guy who did what Albert ended up doing, got to have a lot of talent there. I also respect very highly what Andy rundgard has been able to accomplish there and Anthony Wayne in his four years. And even though they lost that much, I, I got to think that their system at this point, program, the guys in it that step up from year to year are like a central where they just reload as opposed to rebuild. Harrisburg has more back, but I, I think the, the thing you got to look at, offensively anyway, they lost three players on offense. Um, quarterback Drew Sims was the top passer in the NLL um, in passing yards. Um, Caleb Gherkin is gone. He was the top rusher in the NLL after 10 games. And the receiver, Nick Kilbride, is gone, and he was the leading receiver um, for the regular season. All three of those guys gone. So Perrysburg has its own problem in terms of reloading uh, uh, skill positions, but they are definitely the key teams to beat. A lot of people think that Napoleon is next in line, uh, running back. Jarrett Gerdeman, who was over 1,000 yards last year. In Springfield, it was voted fourth. Uh, they lost a lot, too. They lost quarterback Darnell Thomas. Uh, Running back uh, Josiah Presley and Devin Johnson, the receiver, kind of like what Perrysburg had. Whatever they were one, one, and one at, uh, Springfield guys were right there with them. So that's a lot to replace from one year to the other. And, uh, you know, it'll be up in the air. I think AW Perrysburg definitely one and two. We'll find out in week two when they play. And the rest of it will just be, uh, you know, how things play out. But, you're looking at a championship game in week two.
0: Yeah, again, early, that six-game schedule is going to take effect without much of a buffer there. You know, you mentioned Springfield, Jerry Bell entering his first season, taking over for Pat Gucciardo. Bell had a very successful run at Whitmer, 2012-2015, to a 36-12 and record, four playoff trips. I know Springfield lost quite a bit, but how long could it take for Bell to bring that program back up? towards the top of that league
1: well one thing it's going to be an entirely different culture and i don't mean that like most people use that word these days change the culture Um, because it usually means they think the prior guy was no good and the new guy's going to make everything great i don't mean that at all pat guichardo did a great job there but it was an entirely different way he went about it. He was more offensive-oriented, always had a great passing game, good quarterbacks, good receivers, and, uh, um, you know, and at times really good running backs, too. Jerry Bell, you know, might do things a little bit differently, more in the Whitmer style. I mean, he was ingrained in that program. He played there, coached there as an assistant for, you know, about 15, 16 years, and then they had to run as uh, head coach. His he was one game from being 15-0 and state champion in Division One in his first season as head coach. A lot of people forget that. Maybe it's not been that long back in 2012. But Whitmer was within eight points of being a 15-0 and state champion in Jerry's first year. Good coach. Um, we'll see how he manages a different kind of personnel. Whitmer seems to, you know, it's kind of like printing money. They print football players over there. There's always a large batch of them, and it's not necessarily the same animal over at Springfield.
0: So let's focus now on the Northern Buckeye Conference, and for the last few seasons here, it's been Eastwood's conference to win. Eastwood, three out of four. They've been one of the strongest programs, really, in Northwest Ohio, but especially in that conference since 2011. Um, looking at them last year, eleven and one, they were undefeated in the league at seven and zero. Craig Rutherford in his fourth season, it just feels like Eastwood uh, is the favorite again here.
1: Yeah, I just mentioned Jerry Bell in his first year was one win from going fifteen and zero in his rookie year as a coach. Um, Craig did that also back in twenty seventeen when when he replaced his dad, Jerry uh, Rutherford, who had coached for thirty five years. They were, in fact, went into overtime and lost in heartbreaking fashion. A very good coach, been around the game since he was a toddler, basically following his dad around, was an assistant over there for a number of years. And he you have to do is visit one of their practices just to see how um, this guy practices his trade. Everything is efficient. Um, the, the kids seem to know always what they're doing they run their reps uh and it's like a machine over there and i think uh that is carry over from his dad but i think maybe uh you know he might even take things up a few notches. not an overly intense guy more of a you know kind of a supportive type coach he'll get in your grill if he needs to but mostly he's just an encouraging and a very sharp uh head coach they lost two running backs last year that were as good or from last year that were maybe the best one-two backfield punts in the whole area, and Jaden Rayford and Justin Piffrell. Between the two of them in 12 games, they were just under 3,000 yards and combined for about, I think it was 48 touchdowns. That's what they need to replace. Just about everything else they have back. So it's just a matter of finding somebody to carry the ball this year, and they have a few candidates for that. And they also have a quarterback. Uh, returning and Jared McNulty, who threw for 944 yards and 14 touchdowns. And you might say, well, that's not much, you know. But if you know Eastwood in recent years, it's been so ground heavy with the wing tee that they don't throw it a whole lot. They might throw in some years like five times a game. So 944 yards there is like 2,000 someplace else. I have a lot of faith that Eastwood will be the team to beat again this year, and I think it'll be four out of five, actually, for them. Rockford is another contender, some pretty good athletes there. Big loss was the graduation of quarterback Kyle Komenacker, who was the real deal last year. He was, you know, if you give him another uh, series, they might have beaten Eastwood last year in Week 10. Um, That's how close they were. And Otsego is another team that – has been knocking it at the door near the top for four or five years. This year might be the year they challenge, but I, I just don't know if I see
0: anybody beating Eastwood. Otsego still has a little bit of youth, too. Of course, Joseph DeZira at quarterback. Who knows what could happen behind Eastwood and Rossford uh, in that Northern Buckeye conference. I want to shift over to the Northwest Ohio Athletic League and Archbold last season, 11-2, and two, Six and one in the NWOAL. Liberty Center, though ten and two, six and one also. And let's not sleep on Wasion. Wasion last year was projected to finish fifth. They end up going nine and three and five and two in the league. But Archbold looking to repeat as champions of the league.
1: Yep, Archbold and Liberty
0: Center uh, shared it last year and actually split their two meetings. Liberty Center won
1: the. League matchup, 39-36. Archbold got them back in the playoffs. But it's the same thing, and and oddly enough, just as St. John's is playing Central in Week 2, Anthony Wayne in Perrysburg in Week 2, Eastwood and I in going Week 2. You've got Archbold playing Liberty Center in Week 2 in the game that could decide the championship. Um, Two really good teams, but I think everybody in that league, as good as it is near the top, Clear-cut Archbold is the favorite of just about everybody that, uh, you know, from that region of our uh, northwest Ohio area. Um, They have everybody back on offense, and an offense that scored about 35 points a game last year, starting with the quarterback, D.J. Newman. He threw for over 2,000 yards and 20 touchdowns last year. Running back, Noah Gomez, um, 976 yards, 12 touchdowns receiver Antonio Cruz 64 catches 952 yards 13 touchdowns the second running back Caleb Hogrease, um 500 yards 11 TDs. another receiver who had 30 catches Brandon Taylor these guys have athletes all over the field they know how to use them they used them last year and they're they're got to presume their minus injuries even better this year and a defense, most of those guys play defense as well, and led by a linebacker, Carson Meyer, who was second team all Ohio last year, 110 tackles, team to beat. One coach in that league who has seen more than anybody else is uh, Bill Inselman from uh, Patrick Henry, 28 years, you know, doing this stuff. He thinks Archbold has a legitimate shot if we get to a playoff, you know, with the COVID situation. To win a state championship, they're that good.
0: It sounds like that the schedule makers said, okay, we're going to put all of these marquee games week two, and let's see how this plays out. And uh, certainly with with Archibald Liberty Center at the top, Wasion creeping up behind. Talking about Brian, too, in the fourth position projected to finish there. Five and five last year, four and three. The Golden Bears had some high hopes last season, but they started off one and four. How can they come back into a strong 2020?
1: Well, that's going to be an uphill battle. Um, They've got personnel in place that they'll be competitive, but you're talking about losing as good as that league was the last couple of years. um, The offensive player of the year was uh, Brian's quarterback, Nate Miller. He's graduated. That's a huge loss. Um, I I just don't see them getting in that mix. You know, you've got Liberty Center. I've raved about Archibald, but Liberty Center has a – quarterback cam crew who i call him like a he'll be like a second and a half year starter because his sophomore year he he um started four playoff games his older brother was injured in the in week 10 cam came in and led them to three wins including an upset um of, of genoa who was ranked number one in the state that year um, he led this um, miracle drive in the closing second, you know, and, and on a fourth and about 30, got a touchdown to go ahead and they won the game. And then he came back last year, the junior threw for 1,709 yards, 18 touchdowns. And like I spoke of with, uh, McNulty at Eastwood, this is a program that has always been run first Liberty center, um, And so to throw for 1,700 yards, um, that's a ton at Liberty Center. They've opened it up a little bit under Casey Moeller, but not to the point where he's a talented quarterback. And they they, they return a 1,000-yard rusher in Max Phillips and another guy, Carter Kern, that had 563 yards last year and about six-plus yards to carry. Wasseon, the other team, probably the best offensive athlete in the entire league, Connor Penrod, their receiver, big guy, 6'2", about 180. 73 catches last year, 1,254 yards, 16 touchdowns. And a linebacker, Isaac Wilson, who was uh, third team all Ohio. All three of those teams, very good. We get to see Liberty Center, Wauseon in week one, and then Liberty and, and Archbold week two. By then, you know, we'll, we'll kind of know how that thing's going to shake down.
0: And then lastly Steve here, the uh, Toledo Area Athletic Conference, the TAC uh, you wanted to specifically talk about Northwood here. Ken James, the legend Ken James in his 35th season 10-0 and last year 6-0 and in the league and they returned two of the I will say, in my humble opinion, best offensive players that we'll see in Northwest Ohio this year in Jay Moten and Damon Marks.
1: Yep. Jay and DeMond are, are brothers. I don't know, uh, outside of Northwood, a lot of people know that, but uh, a really lethal combination in terms of quarterback-receiver. And uh, you would like to talk about somebody else in the deck, but you just can't because if you look at the scores the last two years, Northwood just annihilated everybody else in the deck. So I, I think, uh, you know, if you, if you even talk contender – You just can't do it. You know, they did lose a lot to graduation, but just having Moten back, he threw for 1,600-plus yards, uh, Russ for over 500 last year. Marks caught, passes for 586 yards, 11 TDs. Chances are they're going to up those numbers this year, mainly because they're not as many weapons, but they are really just a, a proven combination in the league. Um, and we'll see how things go, but I don't see anything close or remotely, um, any evidence at all that anybody can compete with Northwood in the tech. Very interesting. They open with a non-league game because it's only a 16-league, and Northwood will play Gibsonburg um, in week one on Friday night. Uh, both teams... Last year, if people remember, it went ten and zero in the regular season in, in each of their regular season and did not make the playoffs, which hadn't happened in a number of years for any team in Ohio. Both of them did that last year and will play in Week One. So I guess that'll be the unofficial uh, uh, championship of something uh, Friday night.
0: There you go, Steve. That is, I mean, this season is going to be such a a weird one for sure. That's the overarching word, I guess. But this season's going to be somewhat of a sprint to the finish. And these six weeks are going to fly by. And sure enough, in about two months from now, we'll be looking back and saying, wow, I can't believe you know we got through that. Hopefully everybody can stay safe is the number one thing. But it's so nice to be talking sports and to be talking football and to be just thinking about a schedule and how can these, these players and all of this talent that's around here get out there. So this is all very exciting stuff. And I know you're insanely busy preparing for week one on Friday. Real quick, before I let you go, where can people find your coverage on social media? What will you be doing for this week one?
1: Well, week one, uh,
0: just the usual, you know, um, uh, I don't know about
1: following me much on Twitter because uh, our new plan for coverage, uh, I'm going to be, at least for a few weeks, just kind of orchestrating things back in the office, uh, trying to maximize our product, if you will, and we're going to be covering three games, and uh, um, I think what we're we're going to do is going to give the reader, or at least our online readers, more than they've ever had before in terms of high school football coverage. So, hope people get the eBlade, um, go to our website, ToledoBlade.com. And we, you will see um, better recaps of more games than we've ever had before. So that's something to, I think to look forward to. The question is, how long do we get to do it? I hope these teams are able to stay healthy because it only takes one or two, uh, you know, positive COVID tests and then you've got what may be considered an outbreak and yeah, I hate to be negative, but. I think you're talking about situations where teams would have to then quarantine for a couple of weeks and then maybe cancel games or postpone them till later in the season after um, the playoffs, which are the seventh week. Um, so there's a lot of different variables that could come into play. I'd, I'd like to be optimistic, but we'll see because the virus is still in control.
0: And, of course, every team making the playoffs this year, that – is a little bit more of a reassurance in case something does happen. Of course, we're all hoping for the best here, and we're all hoping for safety and a successful 2020 season. TLDR, we will see how this goes. Steve, thank you for the time for the podcast recording. As always, we appreciate it. Awesome, insightful information, and we look forward to following along on Friday. Okay, great. All right, now we bring on Blade Sports writer Mark Monroe, who is also all over the high school football preview section, and as well as on Friday, will be very busy alongside us. Mark, how you doing this week?
2: Great, Corey. We've got finally something—some live sports to cover. I'm really excited that Friday night football is back, and uh, we're uh, we're back to uh, the X's and O's and the Jimmy and the Joes. I'm glad that uh, we're, we're back to actually talking about. Uh, people playing the sports that we love.
0: Isn't it fabulous? Isn't it nice to finally get into talking about games and stats and yards and touchdowns? And it's just so wonderful to shift our focus, at least for the meantime. You, of course, this week, alongside Steve Junga, I've written one preview, so I'm not going to put my name into that same conversation, but you have been very busy this week, calling coaches, drafting previews for Numerous conferences around here. Steve and I touched on the NLL quite a bit when we talked. And it's a one-two punch between Anthony Wayne and Perrysburg, it seems like, going into 2020. I want to open up with the Northern Lakes League and talk about Anthony Wayne under Andy Brundgard, 11-1 last year, uh, an exit in the playoffs, 7-0 and in the league. But not far behind them is Perrysburg, who finished 8-3, and was a playoff team last year and 6-1 and in the league. How competitive is the top of that NLL? And I'm not trying to slight Napoleon or Springfield or Bowling Green or any of the teams back there, but this year, the NLL, it just feels like it's Anthony Wayne and Perrysburg 1-2 in some fashion.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely a a two-man race. And uh, the Northern Lakes League, historically, has been terrific football going back decades. And, uh, I don't expect that to be any different this year. It should be a lot of, a lot of good games uh, throughout throughout the season. But it does come down as it has, at least the last four or five years now, between you know Anthony Wayne and Perry'sburg. And Anthony Wayne has really risen to the top with three straight titles. Nobody's really even challenged them, to be honest with you. They've gone seven and zero in each of those seasons and won most of those games handily. But this year, um, they're, they're, they're going to get their, their their biggest test because for two reasons. They lost a ton. Anthony Wayne lost ninth starters, and a lot of those kids were all Ohio kids, including our uh, Blade Player of the Year. Um, so Perrysburg has more talent back. And uh, as far as experience goes and uh I think that they they get the slight edge. Uh, it'll be interesting they meet. Usually, it's not towards the end of the season, toward towards the end of the season where they meet, but they're going to meet in week two this year. So we're going to find out pretty quickly, uh, you know, who, who's going to be the front runner for the rest of the, the year.
0: Big thing about Perry'sburg is yes, they lost their starting quarterback to graduation, but they bring back eight starters on on defense. But four of those five offensive linemen are back. I feel like if you're, if you're losing a quarterback, then hopefully in other positions, that can be made up for. And certainly with Perrysburg, it feels like, yes, Drew Sims is going to be something to make up for. But at the same time, having some sort of stability on both sides of the football, that's so important for Perrysburg. Is this race closer than some might think just by looking at last year's standings?
2: I think so. Um, both of them. Uh, lose incredible quarterbacks, record setting quarterbacks. Mason Alberts, who I alluded to as our player of the year, has gone from AW and then Drew Simp had an outstanding four year career at Perrysburg, but I think Perrysburg again just has, has more back. I, I don't think in the, well, decade plus years that I've been covering the NLL that we've ever had a preseason coaches vote. And again, this is a coaches vote. So these guys know the mm-hmm. league. There's, you know, probably not as much bias as you would get from other people. So they know they know, when it's uh, split equally, you know, four first-place votes for each school. And I just think Perry Spur gets the slight edge because they've got probably two of the best players coming back in the league with uh, Cade Zimmerman. Uh, He's a lineman. Um, both offensive defensive standout there. And then they're... Uh, their, their linebacker as well. He's going to be a, a force. I think a lot of people have Jack Higgins as uh, he's 6'2, two, 220, and they think he's a force in, in the middle. So I think Perrysburg will finally have the ability to slow the Anthony Lane offense down, which in the years past has just rung up incredible numbers on offense. So uh, week two is going to be uh, a big one.
0: Napoleon under Tory Strzok in his 13th season, 5 and 5, 4 and 3 last year. That wing-T offense is always a wild-card offense, especially at the high school level. Chop full of running backs. Uh, Napoleon has 10 starters back, and a lot of them are playing on both sides of the football. Of course, Jarrett the fullback, 5'9", 197. What noise can Napoleon make this year, if any?
2: Oh, Torrey Struck is one of the best coaches in the area. They're by far, not by far, but they're the smallest goal in the NLL and they actually won a title in 2012 which if you look at the pure numbers for them to even be able to compete with the biggest I mean Perrysburg's a division one school Anthony Wayne's a big division two school not saying that they're gonna you know knock either one of those juggernauts off but I like this Gurdaman. I like Torrey Strzok he's always their teams are so fun to cover because they're just so tenacious they're they fight and Watch out for Jarrett Gruderman because he's on pace to break the all time rushing record at Napoleon. And that's no small task. I think Tori was telling me that record's been held for maybe 20 years or something. So, um, that kid's legit. If they are able to just pound the ball and keep the clock, they could very well, you know, take Perrysburg and Anthony Lane down to the wire. I like, I like Napoleon. The coaches picked him to finish third.
0: And then, looking down at Springfield, too, Jerry Bell in his first season, of course, had a successful run at Whitmer. What can we expect out of Springfield this season, realistically, in his first year?
2: They always have a lot of speed. Uh, They seem to have skilled positions, the wideouts, and the the, um, defensive backs. They have two of the best defensive backs in the league this year, so it won't, won't be easy to throw on Springfield, but again... They lost a ton of talent. Uh, Paco who was there, had his sons that were both good players, and um, he's uh, retired. But Jerry Bell, uh, with the his success he had over at Whitmer, I expect them to, to be highly competitive again this year. They have good, pretty decent numbers. Um, they kind of had a as rough a summer as anybody. I think they had some situations where they had to suspend practice, and they may be behind, be behind a little bit in the development, um, you know, especially with new coach. But I think where they're picked at four is, is probably right right about where they'll finish.
0: And then kind of to wrap up the NLL here, is there a team on the back end of that conference between Bowling Green, Northview, Maumee, and Southview who were projected four through eight by the coaches? Could one of those teams make a surprise run towards, I'm not saying to win the uh, the conference necessarily, but to make a surprise run towards the top of it?
2: Yeah, I like uh, Bowling Green quite a bit, actually. Uh, Eli Brown is a heck of an athletic quarterback. He can run it and throw it, so they should be able to put up some points. Now, whether they challenge Anthony Winter, or Perrysburg, yeah, they could give him a good game for sure. Um, and then you got to throw Northview. Uh, Doug Downey's been in there. He's a former longtime college assistant, so he knows the X's and O's, and uh, I think he's got some good – some good kids there, including a defensive lineman by the name of Aiden Schwartz, who's really good. And um, you know, the rest, Ball, me, and Southview—you know—they'll—they're they'll, coming on. You know, they both have uh, young, energetic coaches, and, and they're working with lower numbers. But uh, of the the lower lower four teams, I would I would say Bowling Green and, and maybe North—you have a shot to give these uh, three teams a good challenge. And
0: then, Mark, looking ahead to the tac the Toledo Area Athletic Conference, Steve and I touched on Northwood and Ken Jabes 10-0 and last year, his team 6-0 and in the league. It feels like it's Northwood and then pretty much any everyone else. You know The coaches projected Ottawa Hills second, Edon behind them. What could be the best challenge for Northwood this year who is looking to 3 Pete in that league?
2: Well, I like Ottawa Hills. You mentioned they've got their skill kid's back. They're running back. Hellgren, Andrew Hel- Hellgren and, uh, their quarterback, Matthew McGee is back. And then talk about, uh, well-respected coaches, Chris Hardman. He's right up there with Ken James over at, at Northwood with, uh, the respect factor. He's been around for years. And I know last year they had a little bit of a down year, but, uh, I think they're expecting, uh, big things. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they give, uh, Northwood a pretty good challenge. Northwood, uh, Historically, and again this year's, um, they just seem to be heads heads above the rest. Um, so I definitely give the the nod to the Rangers after last year missing out on the playoffs. And um, you know every team's going to make the playoffs this year. So these league titles kind of take on a new uh, a new importance. I think. Uh, I like think one coach told me, Perry's league, uh, Matt Kriegel said that you know this year I think league titles are. Maybe more important than they ever have been, again, because every team's going to make the playoffs, and uh, so everybody's going to first be shooting for these league titles. But, uh, yeah, you, you can't – with what Northwood has back as well, uh, their quarterback and their running back, um, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm hard-pressed to see anybody really giving them a good challenge.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the quarterback and running back, of course, Jay Moten and DeMond Marks, but also on defense in that 3-4 scheme that they run – A.J. Rabel, the linebacker. You got Cam Noll at Strong Safety. I mean, they bring some pretty good depth back on the defensive side of the ball, too.
2: Yeah, definitely no one want to ever look back because, uh, well, they say Corey defense wins championships. So, and, I, and you know, I'm a, I'm a believer in that, although the game's changed a little bit with the wide open offenses and the spread. I can't tell you. Uh, we ask each coach what kind of offense and defensive schemes they're running, and most of them are running the spread, and it's this hurry up, and, uh, the game has changed, but you mentioned their their defense for sure. A couple all-packed first-teamers back there, so it looks like load it again.
0: I don't want to overlook Edon here because they did go 5-1 and one in the league last year under first-year coach now Bob Olwyn. However, they only return 10 total letter winners and four starters on offense and three on defense. So it seems like Edon could be... Could they regress a little bit in 2020, or do you see them you know, kind of living up to what they accomplished last year.
2: Yeah, they have a pretty good tradition there, and Bob Olin, who's been all around, is uh, is a good coach. He was over at Lake for a bit, and I think it was in Ada his last stop. But even they just uh, have a tradition of being good, and uh, I know he likes, you know, the, the intangibles, just to work good. they have seem to have a good attitude and you know, discipline and work ethic. So that'll get you far when you're talking to these small schools sometimes the margin of uh, victory and loss can be very small spot, you know, Eden, Eden should be good again.
0: And then real quick to wrap up the tack here, Cardinal Stritch, first year coach, Gene Rucker and Stritch moving up from division seven to division six. What can we expect out of Cardinal Stritch this year?
2: Well, they have a very good, uh, returning skill player in, uh, Dwayne Moorhead, who's headed into Dayton actually. And, uh, you know you start with him and he'll get the offense going and uh yeah i I think um we'll see another first year coach and again these first year coaches have the double whammy of uh the uncertainty of whether they're going to play and you know trying to convince these kids to buy into their system and their culture of success so we'll see i think that these first year coaches have uh a little bit of a a more of a learning curve but uh as strict should be should be competitive again.
0: We haven't touched on this quite yet. Looking at eight-man football, of course, the Northern Eight Football Conference making its inaugural season in 2020, composed of Toledo Christian, Holgate, Danbury, and Stryker. That's the order they were projected to finish. Holgate, however, under third-year coach Colton Wagner, 8-0 and last season as an eight-man team. What are some of the storylines to look forward to and Toledo Christian again projected to win this league by the coaches. What are some of the headlines we could look forward to into an eight-man season?
2: I think this is really cool for the smaller schools. I really do. I think more and more schools in Ohio go to it. Um, Michigan has had a long. The state of Michigan has uh, had a long tradition of eight-man football, where they actually the MHFA up there uh, sanctions it and it's officially recognized. And I think that's where. Um, they'll be headed in Ohio, and it's kind of cool that Northwest Ohio kind of gets the first the first look at uh, an official uh, uh, eight man football league championship and uh, these schools you know, they just can't compete even with the with the lower division five and six schools because of the numbers you're just talking. They don't have enough kids, you know but these kids you know want to play football, you know they've been playing it since they were kids and they get to high school and they want to have an opportunity compete but you don't want to get out there and not be able to have any possibility of winning so that's where eight man comes in just gives them a chance to you know have success and uh you know so i and i think toledo toledo christian and holgate um makes sense for all four of these schools schools to danbury and striker to go to the eight man but i think both toledo christian and holgate, uh, are going to battle neck and neck for this thing, for sure, just uh, for the rights to be the first Northern 8th football conference champ. It's pretty cool.
0: I think so, too. And, I mean, you mentioned the roster sizes, just a couple example here. Uh, Danbury with 14 varsity players, Toledo Christian with 17. So the scheme's obviously different. Playing time also obviously allocated a little bit differently. Toledo Christian, last year, 6-3. and three. They bring back Trevor Wensink, at quarterback, 6-2, 160. Um, how does he fit into this, I guess I could say scheme or style of play, but a lot of the prognosticators seem to like him in this kind of environment? Oh, yeah.
2: He's got a lot more space to operate, right? You know, he can think through for more than 2,000 yards last year and, and rush from um, almost 700, so he's got the ability to uh, – Find the open open grass, and there's a lot of open, more open grass uh, in eight, man, theoretically. So, yeah, I think just his ability uh, gives the Eagles a, a little bit of an, a, an edge, and uh, he's got a couple of his receivers back, too, so that helps, you know. So I, I think Toledo Christian is primed to have a, a pretty good season.
0: I think so, too, and I'm excited for this eight-man uh, vibe, I guess I can – antiquated ads. I think it's an interesting dynamic. Of course, the the main goal, we're getting players' participation time, and we're getting them playing time, and I'm excited for it for sure. Um, Mark, before I let you go, what is the biggest headline that you're following into week one?
2: Well, I just think it's it's a mix of relief. (laughs) As much as anything for these kids, they're going to be as pumped as they've ever been. Out uh, of these kids, lost spring seasons. You know, if you think about, and, and a lot of them even going back to the end of the winter season when those um, tournaments were, you know, canceled, wrestlers and that kind of thing, and track and baseball athletes they haven't been out for a competitive game in a long time. I think it's going to be a mix of relief that, and maybe almost disbelief that they're they're playing. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot of excitement Friday night, and there's also for you a lot of trepidation. There's a lot of uh, concern that you know there could be flare-ups and so I think the cliche is you know you're gonna take it one game at a time and I think they will and they'll appreciate it more than and not just the players but the coaches and the communities that I think are even though we're gonna have a limited capacity and attendance restrictions um, everybody I think it's a, a little slight return turn to normalcy so um, I think there's a lot of excitement
0: real quick too what's the plan for coverage where can we follow your stuff
2: uh i'll be all over twitter again we're going to do it a little bit different this year i think um we've expanded our coverage uh we're going to be covering four games with our reporters and then uh our veteran of the staff steve jung and i are gonna um talk to uh, cover four or five different games um a little bit maybe like television does actually with uh you know, little hits from each game, and maybe a little more information on the the games we normally don't get to cover. So, I think uh, I think the readers are going to be very happy with uh, our expanded coverage.
0: There you go. We're looking forward to it for sure. I, I talked about this with Steve. It's sports. We're we're back into sports, and the overarching theme. You said it, and I completely want to echo that again. Is as long as we could get this done safely, and everybody can. You know, come together and we can find that and get it done. I, I'm excited for football, and I've been waiting for this. I, can, I guess I could say ever since you know the shutdown in March and you know all this uncertainty, and of course, no Big Ten or MAC football this year. It's it's some some light at the end of the tunnel here, and we're looking forward to it. Mark, thanks for the time again. I know you're a very busy gentleman working on uh, various high school football preparation notes, and uh, thank you again for everything this week. We're looking forward to it
2: great talking to you, Corey. I really appreciate it.
0: It is truly remarkable that after all that we have been through in this calendar year of 2020, that we are still getting high school football in the state of Ohio. It's really remarkable, and I'm excited to get the season going. I know Steve and Mark are as well, and I thank them for joining me this week. And as we've said multiple times in this podcast already, we hope that everybody can get back to football as safely as possible, and we hope that this season can get played in the entirety that the OHSAA is really going for here. The six games in the regular season, everybody makes the playoffs. Playoffs begin week seven, and we're hitting the ground running here. Obviously, stretching out a... Extended good luck to the other fall sports as well. Tennis, volleyball, soccer, golf already underway. It's a very exciting time. And I remember when I was back in high school playing golf, the excitement of getting the season going and finally playing and just having that. It it means a lot. And And I hope that everything works out for the best in 2020. But football, we're hitting the ground running. Week one is Friday. Steve and Mark will be busy with coverage all season long. You can follow their work on ToledoBlade.com, on Blade News Slide, and on Twitter. Steve, you can find him at JungaBlade, and you can find Mark Monroe at Monroe Blade. In addition to our other Blade Sports writers, please follow at Toledo Sports on Twitter for game updates, scoring updates, where our reporters will be live from these games that are starting off in, on Friday. Thanks again to Steve, thanks again to Mark, and thank you for taking time to listen to Glass City Game Time episode number 43. If you enjoyed the show or want to listen to previous episodes of this podcast, there are plenty of ways to do so. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, on Spotify, and again, of course, on ToledoBlade.com and on Blade News Slides. So, for Steve Junga, for Mark Monroe, my name is Corey Christen. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.